<clears throat> An essay on my mommy. My mom is great. She smells good. She wears pretty earrings. She makes me peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with the crust cut off because the crust is icky and she knows that I do not like it, like it. So she cuts it off. She reads me bedtime stories about Jesus, Moses, and Noah and stuff. I like those stories. I like the one about the guy who got eaten by the whale and then thrown up by the whale and stuff like that. My mom kisses my boo-boos and makes them better. It really does. My mom is magical. My mom is the best mom. She's better than your mom. An essay on my mom. My mom is okay, I guess. I mean, she's not too annoying. She drops me off a block away from the movies, like I asked, so my friends don't see her. That's kind of cool. Sometimes she hugs me in public, which is totally against the rules. But what you going to do? She bought me a cell phone. Not the color I wanted. Whatever, I guess. She makes me go to church every Sunday, but I guess that's okay, because she doesn't make me dress up or anything. She says I can wear whatever, so whatever. She won't let me stay out past 11 yet. That's kind of dumb, but she's pretty cool for a mom, I guess. I love you, Mom. An essay on my mother. I actually like my mom now. It's kind of cool. We actually talk about things like politics, music, movies, and God. You know, I don't think I realized till now how much my mom impacted what I believe about God. And when I'm home, I don't hide away in my room. I actually want to talk to her and see how she's doing and tell her how I'm doing. It's kind of strange. She used to drive me nuts. Not to say she still does it now and then, but I really do like her. And I like that she lets me be an adult. But she still sends me money for rent and groceries and gas and laundry day. I love you, Mom. essay on my mother. My mom must have been a superhero to do this four times. <laughs> I get it now. I get how she worried so much about where I was going, who I was going with, and what time I was getting home. I understand why my mom always insisted on me wearing a coat and eating my vegetables. My child is three months old, and already I'm freaking out about if that cry is a bad cry, is she drinking enough, is she dressed too warm, is that poop an okay color? <laughs> I get it now. I get how my mom let me make mistakes and how each one she let me make must have broken her heart. I get how she used to kneel and pray by my bedside every night. I have to pray to God for help with this because I just can't do it on my own. I don't want to have to do it on my own. I get it now. I love you, Mom. An essay on my mother. I know my mother didn't do everything right, but she could have done a lot more wrong. I know I am who I am today in large part because of her, for better or worse. My kids bought me this shirt. A couple years ago, when my oldest was headed off to college, 
They insist that I wear it every Mother's Day. I don't feel worthy to wear this shirt. Really, how can I? Just as my mother didn't do everything right, I know I sure didn't. But I guess my kids must think I did all right. If they only knew how hard I prayed every night and through every day for them. If they only knew how many times I struggled to let them in my own hands and put them in God's hands to get them through. My kids used to think I was magical. They thought my kisses actually healed their boo-boos and their uh uh-ohs. I used to think my own mom was magical. I guess in some ways she was something like magical. Not because of anything she did, but because of what God did through her for me. My mother showed me Jesus through her forgiveness, her understanding, and her unconditional love for me. It was through her words and her actions that I first experienced the love of Jesus Christ, who I now call my Savior. So yeah, my mom is magical, and she's still better than your mom. Great job. Wonderful job. And to all of the mothers today, happy Mother's Day. If I can get this microphone out of the way. I'm going to break something. Uh, Happy Mother's Day. I am not a mother. uh, And so I felt like that the the, the best thing I could do to get any credibility on Mother's Day was to bring up the mother of my children, my wonderful wife, Corey. And so she is going to today help us to talk about mothers and motherhood and and really parenting in general from that perspective. And so we're in for a treat and I had to beg and plead and I'm sure I'm going to have to buy something at some point for this. But I am so thankful that she is here today. Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day. And he is not telling a story. I better get a huge present for standing up here in front of you today. But so I'm not the only mom. I thought we should play a quick game. So if you are expecting your first child, or if this is your first Mother's Day, will you please stand? Anybody? First Mother's Day. Oh, we have two. Anybody else? Happy First Mother's Day. These are the moms that all they want for Mother's Day is to go home and sleep. So dads, you get off cheap this year, just let them rest. If you are the mom of a toddler, toddler, would you raise your hand or no, would you stand up? Just go ahead and stand. I know you're tired and I know there's probably some stain on your shirt from something that was spilled on the way here. These are the frazzled moms. I'm sure. Congratulations. Happy mother's day to you. Thanks for coming. All right. If you are a mother of a preschooler or grade schooler, we just heard them sing. Will you please stand? All right. Multiples. These are the moms that didn't, I'm yelling at you now. These are the moms that didn't realize it, but you are back in school. Your kids started school. And for whatever reason, if you are a teacher in here, just know that parents are the ones that end up building the volcanoes and making the projects. I got a list at home this week that my first grader needs to build a diorama. And I'm like, how is he going to do that? I'm going to do the diorama. I don't even know what a diorama is. So when you graduate. When you graduate for the second time or third time or fourth time, let us know. We'll celebrate that with you. If you are a mother who is an empty nester, if you don't have kids living in your home anymore, would you stand? Oh, you uh, it doesn't matter schoolers. if they're off to college. You college. No, you miss middle schoolers. Oh, I know what. I, yeah, that's fine. Well, we're going to congratulate you. Congratulations. 
We just skipped all the way through middle school and high school. But these are the, the moms right here who made it. Congratulations. Well done. Corey and I, we got pregnant when we were married for three months. Um, and so we're hoping at some point they do all move out and we get to he have wants just them some... too. I want no? them to stay all right. forever. So, hey, if you're the parent, if you're the mom of a middle schooler, would you stand? If you're the, if you're the mom of a middle school, you, you almost don't want to stand. You're like, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I don't know what they've said. I don't know what they've done. Uh, congratulations. We were in student ministry for about 10 years before we became the campus pastors here. And so I know that middle school is a very trying time sometimes. Uh, so happy mother's day to you. If you are a parent of a high schooler, will you please stand? Any high school mommies? All right. High schoolers are near and dear to my heart. We did student ministry for several years, I guess almost 10 years. years We did student ministry. I love high schoolers. You are the ones worried about when they're coming home and their driver's license. And one day you probably wake up thinking, are they ever going to leave? And then some days you wake up thinking, oh my God, they're about to leave. And um, I know that's a big deal for you. So happy Mother's Day, mothers of high schoolers. And if you are a grandmother in this room, these are the most important kind of mothers. If you are a grandmother, would you please stand? We could not do it without you, grandmothers. We are so thankful for you for watching our children when we are exhausted and need help. So happy Mother's Day, grandmothers. As Jeremy said earlier, I am a mother of four. We are parents of four wonderful children. We have four kids, seven and under. Cooper is our oldest. I think we have a picture of Cooper. He's our oldest. He did a little solo up here. He came into our life soon after marriage, and he is a blessing to me. This little boy has more more talent in his seven-year-old pinky than I have in my however old body I am. And we adore this little thing. God's got big plans for that man right there, and I am proud to be his mommy. The next one is Branson. This is our superhero. I don't know if you can see he has a karate belt on, and there's some concoction of I don't, a move there. I don't know, but Branson's five, and he is just the world's most unique creature. Uh, and I mean that in the most positive way it can be stated. When he was younger, we used to call him like our bruiser, our middle linebacker. Like we were just afraid he was going to like tear down a wall, you know, run into it. But he's the most tender-hearted kid in the world, and he's a sweetheart. I love him to death. Next is our son, Tucker. I mean, that picture is really worth a thousand words. That kind of explains him. He is beyond goofy. His third birthday is next week. He is the most mischievous child we have, the hardest to discipline. But man, do I love that little boy. He's hilarious. I, not too long ago, I tell my kids almost to a fault how much I love them on a daily basis. And I say, I love you so much. Or I love you, Cooper. Random moments, random times. And not too long ago, I thought I started telling them that I like them because I want them to know there's a lot of people I love that I don't like. And I want them to know that not only do I love none them, in this room, no, though. none of you, but there's a lot of people. I want them to know that not only do I love them, I really like them as people. I like spending time with them. I like being around them. So I tell Tucker all the time, man, Tucker, I really like you. And he started telling me back. And I think we have it right here recorded for you to hear him say it. You have it. Yeah, we should. Can we do it one more time? I like you, Mommy. Oh, it's just so sweet. I can say it, listen to it all the time. That's why it's so hard to discipline right there. Yes, and he does. He says, I like you, Mommy. But when I do something that makes him mad, he'll say, I know like you, Mommy. I know like you. (laughs) Our fourth child is a little girl. It's Kinley, and she is sweet as she can be. Uh, She was born last July. 
on my birthday, uh, which was awesome. And so I have no more birthdays the rest of my life. Um, or they're all baby doll, right? But, uh, you know, she is our fourth child. She's the only girl. And when we were pregnant, the fourth time when we like were pregnant. Yeah, we right. were pregnant. When I was present while Corey was pregnant, um, people would say like, oh, you know, hey, I hope you get your girl this time. Or when we found out it was a girl, they were like, oh, you finally got your girl. And we had a couple thoughts. One, what does that say to the three boys? Like, we've just been disappointed the whole time. <laughs> You know, oh, we finally got our girl. We're, you know, but I think I understood what they meant. But she has added so much to our home. We're so thankful for her. Um, and people have said, since, she, since we did find out it was going to be a girl, they would say, oh, bless her heart with those three boys. Listen, let me just tell you, bless their heart. <laughs> because she already kind of has them wrapped. She cries, and they come running to figure out what they can do to help her. And it's just, it's she's, crazy. She's 10 months old, and they still fight over who gets to go get her out of her bed. And I am convinced that one day she's going to decide she needs to have a Disney parade. And all three of my, like, boys, my, like, baseball boys are going to come walking down in Cinderella princess outfits and colored beads <laughs> to do, be a part of her Disney parade. And I'll take lots of pictures, and it'll be a fun day. You know, the, the challenge is on Mother's Day, and we just wanted you to see our kids. Uh, obviously, you, some of you have children as well, but... Uh, we, we love our kids, and, and for mothers on days like this, you're proud of your kids, you, you're, you're, excited. you're proud of most of your kids, probably some of your kids, um, but you know, we, there's a tendency on days like this when we're supposed to be honoring mothers to really make you feel terrible. Um, we just talk about what you should be doing and what scripture says, and, and I know we've left Mother's Day services before, and Corey's like, man, I, I thought I was doing okay, but man, I am doing terrible now, you know? And there's a passage of scripture, it's going to be up on the screen, there's a passage of scripture that a lot of times preachers, teachers use to talk on Mother's Day, it's in Proverbs 31, it's a great passage of scripture, there's so much really great wisdom and, and truth there, can you throw this up on the screen, Proverbs 31, I just picked a few verses out, this is beginning in verse 14, so she's like the ships of the merchant, she brings her food from afar, which I'm assuming means Publix, she rises... <laughs> While it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. And I'm not a mother. I've said that about three times. I'll say it a hundred more times. I'm not a mother. But like if I read this, I'd be like, whew, I don't do that. I, I haven't delivered one single sash today to the merchants. I'm supposed to get up in the middle of the night. And so our hope today... And I would probably have done this if I just got up and talked about that. In an attempt to encourage you, I would have discouraged you. And so I'm so thankful that Corey's here to kind of give us the female perspective because she tells me that the male perspective is incomplete. Um, so that will help us hopefully today to, uh, to bring a little clarity to that. Well, you know, there are several things that I have had the privilege of learning as a mother. Um, so many so that I won't be able to even begin to share them all today. But um, when I read Proverbs 31, man, is it a challenging verse. And there are so many good parts. He read some of the funny parts. There are so many good parts of that verse um, and so many things that encourage me and drive me and make me want to be better and make me want to serve the Lord better and be a better mother and be a better wife. But there are so many parts of that verse that make me just feel so inadequate and um, like I can never measure up to that. Like when I read this passage of scripture, I automatically think I need to go buy more purple clothing and I need to make all of the children's clothing. And if I have a washer and dryer, that's way too easy. We need to hand wash them in the bathtub and make everything a lot harder. And that doesn't have to be how it is. And there, are, like I said, so, so many wonderful principles in this scripture. But today I thought I would just share from my heart some things that I feel like I have 
I've learned as a mother. And the first one of it is so simple, so very simple, but it is just to have fun. I think as parents and as mothers, there is so much about our lives that are so chaotic and taking kids to baseball games and worrying about their diapers and up all night long with newborns and worrying about who they're dating and where they're going to go to school and if we have the money to provide for them to go to school and worried about their grades and their behavior and so many other things that require uh, that are required of us to, as mothers to do. And in all of that, I feel like sometimes we forget that life really is a lot of fun. And we should have a lot of fun as parents. God has given us these precious children and even the older ones, I'm sure they're still your precious children. And it's okay to have a good time. And we're going to tell on myself a little bit today. I love to have a good time in my house. And um, I thought I would tell on us a little bit about some ways we have a good time. One of the ways we have a good time in our house is I have to be honest and tell you, I have never seen a a plate of mashed potatoes that is not a temptation for me, not because I enjoy eating them, but because I want to flip them in your face. And that is no lie. Jeremy tells me I am pesty, but I love massive food fights. And yes, it's true, folks. We have them in our home often. I'll never forget the first time I flipped a spoonful of mashed potatoes in Cooper's face. It was like shock and awe. He looked like Like, he'd been stabbed. We have been told our whole lives to have good manners. And now he's sitting with a face full of mashed potatoes thinking, oh my gosh. And after a few minutes, it broke out. I was cleaning up mashed potatoes for days on end. But man, was it fun. And we forgot about the discipline and the things and the the dinner and how to clean it up. And we just had a good time. Another way we love to have a good time. Well, I have to say, I also love to squirt them with a little squirty thing at the sink. If they come up to me while I'm doing dishes and they bother me, I will squirt you. (laughs) I will squirt you with the little squirty thing. Another way, though, without fail, that we love to have a good time in our home is I love a good dance party. I'm not going to lie to you. I love to get down in my living room and dance. And when Jeremy's playing the guitar or music comes on the TV or on the radio, kids will come running from all directions and we will break out and dance. Jeremy, again, is not a big fan of this one. If you've ever seen the movie Hitch, you've seen the movie Hitch, you know what I'm talking about. I tend to be the Kevin James, like all over the place. Jeremy stays really safe right here, like 10 right and 2. Right here at home, 10 and 2. Every now and then he'll break out with one of these in the living room. And it's a lot of fun. And we have a good time doing it. But I thought that... Um, I would show you a little video clip of Jeremy dancing for us. This is actually not in our home, although I wish I had one. This This is the only way I could get her to agree to speak today. This is actually in public, a public location in one of his favorite electronic stores. They had the Xbox Connect game set up, and so the boys begged him to jump on it. It's still hysterical. You may not think it's as funny as I am, but, but because he made me get up here, I had to have some kind of revenge. So I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. (laughs) <laughs> this is hilarious. This is what he's supposed to be doing. That's what I did. That's what I did. Flawless. I think I did that exact same thing. Let me just say right here, if anyone ever brings that up again, you will be excommunicated from the church. No, but we are expecting invitations Seriously, to play the dance game again, on your ever. Xbox if you own one at home. 
No, we are being silly. There are hundreds and thousands of ways you can have a good time in your home. You can do so much more simple. I know mashed potatoes throwing in your child's face is may not be your idea of fun. I was trying to give extreme examples, but there are all kinds of ways to have fun. I love to ask my kids questions in the car, random questions. What's your favorite thing about being a seven-year-old? What's your favorite part of college? I mean, whatever age group, wherever you're at, you can ask your kids questions to get to know them. That's always fun for me. Dinner time is always a good time to have fun. Um, going outside and throwing baseball or movie nights or just being together. There are hundreds of ways to have a good time. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I've never met a mother who didn't need a little more strength. And I think adding a little joy and forgetting about some of the to-do list that we have that is so all-consuming in our lives, it just makes being a mom so much more fun to have a good time. And you know, this is a biblical principle. I mean, the idea of laughter and humor, there's, there's several verses of scripture. We're going to look at two very quickly uh, in Proverbs, the, the first one that we're going to look at today. And maybe you've heard this. It talks about the idea that really it's good for your, your health. You can throw this up on the screen. <clears throat> it's in Proverbs 17. It says a joyful heart is good medicine. Some translations say laughter, uh, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. This is the idea here that we're, we're laughing. There's joy in our lives. And so we want to model that in our homes. We don't want it to uh, not exist in our homes, and we have to go elsewhere to find that joy. Another one is in Psalm 126 and verse 2, and this is a great verse to me, and obviously there's a context around this passage, so I don't want to just pull this out and, and lose the context, but the idea here that then our mouth is filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The idea being here, what's being written about is the fact that people knew that God was doing things in their lives and through them because of their joy, because of their, their laughter that was filling their lives. And that's a really great principle and a really great idea for us um, to understand. And Corey is way better at doing this in our home. I can be a fuddy-duddy. Uh, sometimes, and so she's no, she's great at this. I do I do love to have I do love to have a good time, and I want my children to know one day that serving the Lord does not have to be boring. It is not a chore, and that they don't have to look elsewhere to have a good time. That being a Christian is a lot of fun, and it doesn't it's not this big long list of do's and don'ts and things you can't be a part of, but that you can love the Lord and have a good time all at the same time. And I and I love to provide that for my children, and I don't know that I do it wonderful. I do crazy things like flip mashed potatoes, but um, it is it is important to have a good time. And I hope that you leave here today with a new energy to go out and create some new fun environment for your children to have a good time. The second thing that I've learned as a parent is that it's okay to say you're sorry. You know, I think so often in our lives we are. I'm supposed to be this authority figure in our children's lives. And that is true. I am not standing up here today saying that you should not discipline and that there are not moments that require discipline and correction, even when they're the tough decisions and the hard things to do. But I have learned as a mother that I am far from perfect and I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. And in that, it is okay to admit that to my children and tell them I'm sorry. When Jeremy was out of town not too long ago, I, as I always do, I have all of the kids come to my bed. One, I get a little creeped out of having to walk around the dark house if they need anything. So it's just a little safer for me to have them all in our bed. And that way I'm not so lonely. And so not too long ago, they had all come in. Jeremy was gone and we were laying in the bed and I was absolutely exhausted. And I know the, the, you all have had those same days and 
Cooper began to just keep talking and talking, and I got aggravated with him, and I disciplined him, and he fell asleep, and man, I could hardly fall asleep after that. I felt so horrible for overreacting. I disciplined, and I um, fussed at him out of exhaustion as opposed for a purpose of helping to correct a behavior, and I could hardly sleep that, that night, and I had to get up and, and the next morning and apologize to him early on. Um, in my parenting, I didn't always live by that principle. I didn't always know to do that or even think to do that. And there were countless nights that I had just had big days or rough days or long days that I was disciplining, disciplining out of frustration or exhaustion or I was too busy doing my things or things that were important to me and not listening to Tucker or to Branson. And I would put them to bed and I would lay my head on the pillow and I would think, oh, my gosh, I have totally blown it. And I would be asking the Lord to help me and to forgive me and help me to make it right and give me more chances. And please, Lord, don't let this be the day that is remembered in their brain forever. Give me a second chance to do it right. And quickly after that, like only the Lord can, he kind of grips my heart. And I was a little bit given a little bit of freedom that it's okay to make mistakes. And it's also okay to admit that to your children. And I have had to do that several times. I have had to ask my children to forgive me. I've had to apologize for them for mistakes that I have made and things that I've done wrong. And there are two reasons that I think that that is important. One, those little seven and five and three and 10 month old that live in my house right now won't always be seven, five, three and 10 months old. One day those children will be husbands and wives that they will be grandmothers and grandparents and they will be aunts and uncles and employees and employers and college students and they will have teachers. And I want my children to know that it is not a sign of weakness to, ha- to say you're sorry, but that it's actually a sign of strength. And that one day when they get in an argument with their spouse or when they do something that is inappropriate to their children, fuss at them wrong or whatever that, they, that might be, that it's okay to go to them and say, I messed this up. And I'm sorry. And that doesn't mean that they lose authority in your life or that they um, don't matter as much, but that they can say that you're sorry and that's okay to do. I also, when I expect my children, when they do something wrong, to go to each other and to apologize and to make it right. And I want to lead that by example in my home. I want them to know that perfection is something we strive for, that we try to live this godly life and we strive to do everything for the glory of God and we try to make right decisions and right choices, but sometimes, all the time, we're going to fall short of that and the mistake, a mistake, is not the end-all, be-all. That it's okay to wipe yourself off, pick yourself up, and move on from that. And aren't we thankful for the blood of Jesus that covers our sins so that when we make a mistake, we can move on and it doesn't have to affect us for the rest of our lives. I want to instill that in our children. I want them to know that as they grow up, that they're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Pick yourself up. Let's wash yourself off. Let's apologize and let's try to never do that again and let's move on. I also want them to know that when they make a mistake in their home or in their job, it's okay to say you're sorry, that it's not a form of weakness or a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength and that they can apologize for an action done wrong. You know, we were in student ministry. We talked about that. And during that time, we would have parents come to me or come to us and and ask for advice. And my, my first answer was always like, listen, I don't have teenagers and, and I'm just kind of a spy in their world for this, this season. But one of my, my biggest pieces of advice was always exactly what Corey just talked about. You know, your, your 13 year old or your 15 year old that you're very frustrated with right now will not always be 13 or 15. 
And the thing that is a big deal now, it's probably still going to be a big deal at some point. And if there's a need for discipline, then discipline. If there's a need for correction, then, then correct. But the idea here is to maintain relationship. To make sure that when your 15-year-old is 25, they still want you to be the one that walks them down the aisle. That when my 7-year-old becomes 27 or whatever, that, that there's still relationship there. So John Maxwell, who is a leadership author and guru, he, he said a statement that has really kind of shaped this idea for me. He said, a person that overreacts in a situation with someone else values the situation more than they value the relationship. I want you to think about that. Because I'm guilty of that, and I'm sure some of you are as well. I'm not talking about correction there. I'm talking about if you overreact in a situation with someone else, you're saying, I value the parameters of this moment more than I value you. And man, that's a big deal for me because I want to make sure that the role that I've been given by God still allows me to maintain an ongoing relationship with my kids. And that's an incredible principle for us to all understand that there is a bigger story going on than just the kids that live in our home right now. That there's a plan that God has for their lives ongoing. And I want to be a part of the story that God is writing in their lives for the rest of their lives. And that's a really big deal to understand that God has a plan. Yeah, and I hope you hear my heart. I'm not saying apologize for a decision that you have to make that's a hard one but a right one. I'm simply saying that as parents and as mothers, we are not perfect. And there are moments that you're going to discipline out of frustration or out of exhaustion or just out of pure anger at times. And it's okay when you make that mistake to go to your children and say, I'm sorry, mom absolutely blew it. Will you forgive me? Will you help me to do better? Will you help me to move on from this moment and not hold this against me forever? Because I want us to be friends one day and we can move past this moment. And so I am sorry for the mistake that I made. Um, the third thing that I have learned as a mother is that and it is a hard one for us women, is that it's okay to be yourself. You know, girls and ladies, I think at any age, struggle with this idea of comparison. And I feel it is compacted 10 times over when you become a mom, that you look at how, how so-and-so is parenting and how your friend is doing it and how what they may think of the way you're parenting or if you're doing things the right, right way. And please hear my heart. I think that mentor, mentors are important, that you should have people in your life that you look to. I can think of a, a lady right now who's just a few steps ahead of me with her children. And I so admire so many things that she does and her parenting skills. But as hard as I try, I will never be her. And I have got to stop trying to measure up to other people and other people's standards of living. And that it's okay today, girls, to be yourself in your parenting. When we had Cooper, he was the first grandchild on Jeremy's side, the first little boy on my side. And we had people coming in and out of the hospital, and they were there all the time. And for just a few minutes, they had all gone to get something to eat. And Jeremy had stepped to his favorite little station. It's supposed to be the mommy station. If you've ever had a baby, you know they have, like, the little mommy station where they offer, like, crackers Best and ice. ice in the world. Jeremy felt, took full advantage of the mommy station, and so he was there. He felt like it was his right as a father since he had to sleep on that. The um, plywood painted like flowers. <laughs> the, the hard surface. And he stayed there every time with me when we had our beautiful babies. But he had stepped out, and it was the first moment that I had had by myself with Cooper. And so I thought, you know what, I am going to read the Bible to him. And of course, he had no idea. He was like 12 hours old and he didn't know what I was saying. And I didn't pull out the Bible with any expectation of verse to read. But I began to read Proverbs, or Psalms 139 to him. And 
isn't that such a powerful scripture? It's still one of my favorites today. But in that verse, I won't read it. It's very lengthy. But in that verse, it talks about that you are formed in your mother's womb. That he sees you're sitting down and you're rising up. You're laying down. He sees everything about you. He sees you in and out of your day. He formed you. He created you. He knows you. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. And in that hospital room, I had church all by myself with that little baby. Just thinking that God formed him in my womb. And God had such a big and awesome plan for him. And I got to be his mother. And I was so thankful for that. And I still so am. And years down the line, I had to really remind myself that that scripture not only applies to that little boy I held in my arms. And and we made it then a tradition. I read that verse in the hospital to every one of our children after they they were born. But that scripture doesn't just apply to you when you were 12 days old or 12 hours old. It applies to you today. God formed you however many years ago in your mother's womb. He created you for a purpose. He knows the ins and outs of your life, of your mind, of your heart. You are not here by accident. You have a purpose and a plan. I tell my boys and my little girl now all the time, man, I am so thankful Jesus gave me you. And I'm, and I mean it. I am thankful I get to be their mommy. And I am thankful that Jesus gave them to me. And I want them to know that I'm thankful for that because God didn't choose them for me by accident. He knows my personality, just like he knows your personality. He knows the children that live in your home, and he didn't give them to you by mistake or by accident. There is a plan at play in your life and in your home and for your children. And aren't you thankful that you get to be a part of that? And that should be liberating today for a lot of you to know that God chose you, and he trusts you for the job. And whether it's big deals and big decisions that you have to make one day or really small ones, God knows you can do it. And the personalities that your kids have and some of the trouble that they may get into and some of the things that may catch you by surprise, never catch God by surprise. He knows all about it and he trusts you for the job. And early on, I I struggled with being confident in my decisions to make as a parent. I am very laid back as a mother. And, um, and I, that would make some of you extremely nervous. And for those of you who know me well, it probably does make you extremely nervous. I am very laid back. I flip mashed potatoes in my son's face, if that explains anything about who I am to you. But I am very laid back. And early on, man, I tried so hard to be this tense parent who was worried about things. And if you are that, that is totally okay. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. It's all right. If you're a tense mom, be a tense mom. That's all right. God knew that about your personality, and he's okay with it. But I am not. And I, early on, I tried so hard to be be this tense mom and, and to watch everything that they did. And, and I'm, I'm not talking about being unwise. I'm right. just talking about personality differences. And, man, I stressed myself out to the max trying to be something that I was not. And I remember, Cooper, we had just moved here. Um, we've been in, in Atlanta now almost six years. Is that right? Five, five and, and a half, half, six years. We had just moved here. I was nine months pregnant with Branson. We have a wonderful couple here today that allowed us to live in their rental home. And I was due any day with our little Branson. And we moved. And life was chaotic and crazy. And Jeremy was traveling and moving all about. And I'm going to tell you, tell on myself today, Cooper still had a pacifier. He was way too big and way too old. And I fully acknowledge that. But it was what I felt in my life was this was the only thing that was secure for him. It was, 
It offered him security. And I remember he still had it way into three years old, would Uh you say, that he had his pacifier. And I remember going to church, and I would almost get ridiculed at at moments with people saying, I cannot believe you're still allowing him to have his pacifier. That pacifier is going to mess up his teeth, or that pacifier is going to mess up his speech. And not that those things aren't, aren't valid, but those things weighed so heavy on my heart. And I remember one Wednesday night, I got in the car, and I had been hit up several times with people talking about my son's pacifier. I got in the car, and I told Jeremy, I have no idea why it concerns them so much. I'm not sending my three-year-old home with them with a pacifier in their mouth. I'm the one that has to deal with his teeth, and those teeth are going to fall out. Why does it matter? And I was such in such an uproar, and I was in tears and worried about it. And Jeremy said, does that pacifier bother you? I said, no, it really does not. He's always the voice of, of reason in our home. really is. We got this on tape, I think. <laughs> but I said, no, it really does not. And no one understands the ins and outs of our life right now. And I've got a newborn baby. And I've got Brent Cooper. And life is crazy. And if, my goodness, if that pacifier keeps that three-year-old happy, he's keeping the pacifier. And I was so upset about it. And so I, we just decided that that night that we were going to allow him to have the pacifier until we felt like he was through with that pacifier. And I still got tons of people giving me um, all kinds of, of problems with me allowing him to use that. But I became confident in my decision that he was going to use that pacifier. And if he took it to, to kindergarten with him, so be it. He wasn't going to walk across the high school stage with the pacifier. It was going to be okay. So year, several months later, Cooper um, had started leaving the pacifier by the wayside and and dropping it, and he was only really just sleeping with it. And one night, he came into our bedroom, and he sat at our foot of our bed. And if you know Cooper, Cooper is a seven-year-old thinking he's 17, and the same applied when he was three. He was a three-year-old thinking he was 13. He's always acted older than he is, and so he came into our room, and I said, Cooper, Mommy and Daddy have been talking, and we think it's time for you to get rid of your pacifier. He said, Oh, I cannot get rid of my pacifier, Mom. And I said, yes, you have. I mean, it's like reasoning with me at this point. I mean, he's too old for the pacifier. And so I said, yep, I think we're going to get rid of it. And, and buddy, if you'll go three nights without your pacifier, I will take you and buy you the toy you've been wanting. And for us in our home, I mean, this toy that he had wanted, it was a handy manny toolbox. And it wasn't just like a toy that you would go out and buy on a random Tuesday. It was like a 40 or $50 toy. It was definitely one that you would buy as a special, like a special occasion, a birthday or Christmas. And I said, buddy, if you'll go three days without that pacifier, I will take you and buy you that toy. And he said, oh, I get the handy man toy. He was so excited. And so he laid the pacifier down. And that first night was tough, man. He wanted that pacifier. And I would have to remind him at 2 o'clock and at 3 o'clock and at 4 o'clock in the morning that we were going to go get that that toy buddy. So the first night went by and it was long and it was tough. The second night went by, it was a little tougher. The third night, not so tough. He went to bed knowing that if he got up the next morning without using that pacifier, he got to go get his handy manny toy. And I don't know who was more excited, him or me. And that's the truth. We were the first people in the Target parking lot. I could not wait for the doors of that place to open. And we marched ourselves in there and bought the handy manny toy. And it is still a prized possession in our home today. It is for me, one of the most valuable things we have in our home. Not because it was a $40 toolbox where the tools jumped up and down and sang in Spanish and all of those things, although he carried it around forever. And if you still, if you ask him today, he'll tell you that the reason he has that toolbox is because he gave up his pacifier. He knows it. He knows why he has it and why he got it. But it is a treasure to me. And I understand that in this room today, 
there are a lot of you moms who are dealing with much bigger issues than pacifiers. There are some of you who here are here today and you're worried about the way your children are living. You're worried about their grades. You're worried about who they are dating or who they are with or are they going to make it to second grade or are they reading at a high enough level or is middle school going to be the end-all, be-all of us? And there are some heavy issues today. And I know that the pacifier is just a small example of having to make decisions for your family. But I want to remind you today that God didn't choose you by accident. That you don't have the children in your home by accident. That God trusts you with this job. And whether it's trying to decide to take a pacifier away when it's appropriate time for your family. Or whether it's a big issue. If you are striving to seek the face of God and the decisions that you make for your home. And in your life, God will help lead and guide and direct those decisions. And he trusts you with the job. He did not give you your children by accident. And you are not their parent by accident. And he believes in you. That's right. right. You know, I know that there are some single parents in this room who would love to have what I explained earlier with Jeremy of this give and take and this voice of reason in your life. I am a product of a single mother. My mom worked diligently and did an unbelievable job, and she had to do it all by herself. And if you are a single mother in here today, I know having to make some big decisions for your home and for your life, if you are a mother, are very heavy. And feeling the need and the pressure to do it by yourself is a hard job. And my prayer for you today is that the Lord would give you rest and would give you strength in that. My mom has a verse of scripture that she would read often in our home. And I actually have it today um, up there. It says, for your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. And my mom would read that first part all the time when she was trying to make decisions. I have two other sisters. I'm the middle of three and My mom did it all by herself, and she was wonderful. And I know that there in this room today are women who are doing it by yourself or have very little help. And I want to tell you that bigger, small decisions can be made by you by seeking the face of God and that your husband can be Jesus in a very very figurative manner, that you can seek him for answers and for guidance, and he will give you rest and help on days where you feel like that you just can't go on. He did that for my mom, and I'm confident he can do it for you. I also know that in this room today, on Mother's Day, there are probably those of you who are sitting here and want children so badly, and for whatever reason, it hasn't happened for you. And my prayer for you today is that God would give you the deepest desires of your heart. That if you are in this room and that you are desiring a child, that God would give you direction for your next steps in life, that he would give you wisdom on decisions to make as moving forward in this process, and that he would do for you like he did for Sarah, that he would open up your womb and that he would make you fruitful and you would be able to multiply and you would have the children. And next year at this time, we will be celebrating Mother's Day with you if you long for a child. But for the large majority of us in this room today, we are married And we have a partner that we get to do life with, and that is so exciting. And even though there have been a lot of things I have learned as a mother, one of them is to have fun, and it's okay to say you're sorry, and it's okay to parent by yourself. 
One of the best things that I think that I have learned as a mother, and I don't always do it well, but is to love this man that God has given me. The Bible is full, full of examples where Christ uses this picture of marriage and the bride of Christ and his love for the church in this picture of marriage and weddings, which is actually what we have here today. And marriage is supposed to be this very earthly example of what the love of the, of the love of the heavenly father is like. And there is no greater gift than I can give my children other than loving God and allowing them to see that love of God than to love their father and to love him and to honor him and to respect him and to just not obey everything you say, but obey a law of what he said. No, I'm just kidding. No, but to love him and to set that example so that one day when Cooper is reading his Bible and he comes across a verse that talks about this love of Christ and the body of Christ and the Jesus and the bridegroom and the bride of Christ, and he's so confused about what all of that means, but he understands that it's talking about the love of Christ, that it's not a far-reaching thought for him because he has seen a man and a woman in his home growing up that loved each other unconditionally in good bad good times and bad times and hard times and tough times that we loved each other and that he by that can understand the love of christ the same for branson the same for tucker and the same for kinley grace that when she's married one day that she finds a man that's just like her father that loves her just like he loves me and that the love of christ is something that they grow up in our home not 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 understanding but they understand that jesus loves them and that jesus died on the cross for them and that they have a very earthly picture of what that is for their home and that is one of the most important things that i've learned for as a mother is that i need to love him and so if you are married in this place today my prayer for you as husband and wife is that you would fall back madly in love with each other that God would help rekindle that first spark that you had in your life when you decided that you wanted to spend the rest of your life together, that God would rekindle that in your heart and that you would fall in love. And even when life gets tough, you know that God chose that person to be with you forever. And it wasn't by mistake. And he chose you on purpose and that you get to do life together and create this loving atmosphere for your children that help them better understand the picture of Jesus Christ in their life. And maybe today, your three or four principles are not the ones that we've outlined. Maybe it doesn't fit your personality. Maybe these things don't describe you and your home at all. But you've got to find something that guides you. And so this is not just for moms, but for moms and for dads, for parents in the room, grandparents. Maybe you're sitting here and you hear some of these things and you think, man, I I don't think I, I have a relationship with my kids. Or I know I don't have a relationship with my kids. Start today. Call them up. Make today be the beginning of the rest of your life and the rest of their lives. Because it really is important, exactly what Corey said earlier, that God gave you these kids. And so it's important that you invest in that relationship and live that out as much as humanly possible. I want to ask Corey just to pray over families and pray for moms and pray for dads and just to help us to live and to be all that God has called us to be in our homes. You know, our homes are really under attack. You know, the divorce rate is climbing steadily. Um, we've, we've in the news recently about what marriage is and what marriage is not and all these kind of things. I just want to want to ask Corey just to pray for our families, for our homes, for marriages, for moms and dads and, and kids and brothers and sisters, that, that there would be a place of peace and rest and that God would rule and reign in our homes. Because I believe that if that happens, we could see the beginning of some things in our culture to change. 
if our homes more exemplify the body of Christ. I hope you hear my heart today. I want you mothers to leave encouraged. I want you leaving today feeling like it's okay to have a good time, knowing that it's okay that you're not perfect, and knowing that it's okay to be yourself. I I hope that that has been conveyed today. I don't know that I made a lot of sense, but my prayer is that I did and that you leave more encouraged today than you came in. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I am so very, very, very thankful that I'm a mother and that I get to stand up here in front of a bunch of awesome moms. I thank you that you created this world in such a way that we get to have families and we get to have children in our home and we get to do life together with with each other and with one another. And I know in this room today that there are some big issues going on, Father. I pray for single moms in this room, that you would give them strength, that you would encourage them, that you would be what this scripture has to say, that you would be their husband in situations when they just don't know what to do and they need someone to turn to, that they would turn to you. I pray for every woman in this room, Father, that so desperately desires to be celebrating Mother's Day today. I pray that you would give them the deepest desires of their hearts that you would do like you did for Sarah and open up their womb and allow them to, to have a child and to carry a child and give birth to a child and raise a child in their home, that you would give them directions for next steps and provision for what to do in the future. But Father, for the large majority, like I said earlier, there are those of us in this room that are married. And I pray right now for marriages in this room. I pray that you would bind our hearts together as husband and wife, that you would rekindle a love for each other like we've never known, and that our children would be the beneficiaries of all of that and get to see in real life person, in real life, an example of the love of Christ and what that looks like and what you did for us in a very real and tangible way. I'm so thankful today for these moms. I pray blessings over their homes. I pray blessing and protection and health over their lives and over their husbands and over their children. That, Father, their children would grow to know you and love you and honor you and serve you. And they wouldn't know the ways of this world, but they would honor you and love you in everything that they do. I am praying that the children that are represented in this room would be world changers, life changers. In the name of Jesus, I pray. We'll give you all the glory. And all the honor for all that you're doing in our lives and in our home and and in the lives of our children. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Didn't she do a good job? no doubt that I married up. You've seen me dance. I don't have a lot going for me. So she did awesome. I'm proud of you.